Got 20 minutes? Then you have time for a Bible study. Welcome to another episode of 20-Minute Bible Studies. Romans 10:17 says that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Over the next several minutes, you're going to hear an important message directly from God's Word and have your faith and knowledge increased. All you have to do is listen. Now, here are your teachers. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us. I'm Andy Balog. And I'm Jordan Pine. Let's get started. Today we are studying the true vine metaphor, which is a metaphor Jesus used in the Gospel of John. So join us now as we listen to the Word of God. John chapter 15 verses 5 through 7. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up, and they gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. John 15, 5-7 We begin with the SPACE method. SPACE is an acronym. The SP stands for Speaker, A for Audience, C for context, E for explanation. We created this acronym to remind Bible students and ourselves to think about, first, who was speaking and to whom, second, what was happening at that time, and third, the theme and message of the verses leading up to the scripture reading. And we believe it's critical to consider these things before attempting to interpret any scripture, so let's use the space method here. This section is in quotations but we must go back to the 23rd verse of the previous chapter to see who is speaking. In John 14, 23, it says, Jesus answered and said to him, meaning Judas Iscariot, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our abode with him. This metaphor of the true vine is just part of a long quoted teaching of Jesus to his disciples shortly after the last supper. And we'll get more on that in just a moment, but more to the point. Who is Jesus Christ? Well, as discussed in our last episode, the Gospel of John is a book that was designed to demonstrate that Jesus is God. He is deity. For example, in earlier in chapter 14, Jesus tells his disciples, saying, He who has seen me has seen the Father. And then later he says, Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Yeah, that last phrase will become important as we get into our lesson. Moving on to audience, the audience is the disciples. As already mentioned, this section of chapter 15 is part of a long, last teaching that Jesus gave to his 12 disciples around the time of the Last Supper. It stretches all the way back to chapter 13, which begins, Now before the feast of the Passover, Jesus, knowing that his hour had come, that he would depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, He loved them to the end. It's important to remember that these were Jews receiving a new teaching and learning of a new covenant, so they were still very spiritually immature. But they were saved by virtue of having accepted the call of Jesus and following him. 
And then the context is his final instruction to his disciples. This final instruction, his final teachings to his disciples, covers five chapters. It actually begins with Jesus washing their feet in John chapter 13 in the upper room of the Last Supper. And it ends with the betrayal at the Garden of Gethsemane in chapter 18. So today's reading from chapter 15 occurs right after Jesus promises the Holy Spirit to the disciples. So we pick up in John 14, verse 25, and it reads, These things I have spoken to you while abiding with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. Yeah, more relevant to today's lesson is a conversation between Jesus and Philip that we alluded to earlier. In verse 7 of John 14, it says, If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on you know him and have seen him. And Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been so long with you, and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you I do not speak on my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. There it is again. Otherwise, believe because of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Yeah, so here we see an important concept, abiding in. Jesus says he abides in the Father and that the Father abides in him in verses 10 and 11. And then he begins to establish a similar relationship between himself and his disciples. In verse 12, he who believes in Jesus and his works will do similar or even greater works than he did. And then we see in verse 13, it's established that if we seek to do these things in Jesus' name, they will be done so that, quote, the Father may be glorified in the Son. So maybe now we can attempt an explanation, Jordan. Yes, let's reread and then break down our scripture reading. To fully understand this one, we need to do back up to verse 1 of chapter 15. So John 15, 1 says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. So Jesus establishes the metaphor or the type. You know, we talked about types before, typology. Yep. Type is a symbol, metaphor, etc. It's something used to represent something in Scripture. Right. So he will use that to describe the relationship between him, his disciples, and God the Father. So far we have Jesus in verse 1, the true vine. And I just want to break that down a little bit, Andy. You know, true uh, means that which has not only the name and semblance or likeness, but the real nature according to that name, according to Thayer's Greek lexicon. And vine, of course, means a grapevine. It's the same word that's used in Matthew's account of the Last Supper when Jesus establishes the blood covenant, the covenant in his blood. Remember the context of our scripture reading. It's, it's right after the Last Supper. So it's very important. Some have also contrasted Jesus as the true vine metaphor with the Old Testament metaphor of Israel as a, quote, foreign vine, Jeremiah 2.21, that produced worthless grapes, Isaiah 5.1-2. So let's follow the typology here. Jesus is the vine who would pour out his blood, the wine, for the forgiveness. I'm going to start over. So let's follow the typology. Jesus is the vine who would pour out his blood, the wine, for the forgiveness of our sins. He's known as the vine dresser, or he's not, that's God the Father. Okay. God the Father is known as the vine dresser here. 
Other translations render it as husbandman, as you can see in the King James, or the gardener in the NIV, or the keeper of the vineyard in the Berean translation, or even a vintner or a winemaker in the ISV, which is kind of interesting because God was the one who willed it that Jesus's blood should be shed. And of course, that his, his blood is symbolized by the wine. So we see here that God is the landowner, the owner of the vineyard, and then now we enter the third type. Yes, let's move on to John 15, 2. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. So the branch represents the disciples and by extension, of course, every member of the body of Christ. It must be believers or saved people because of the phrase, in me. The unsaved, of course, are never in Jesus. Notice also that the phrasing is absolute. Every branch is expected to bear fruit. So now we come to some hard phrases. The first one is, he takes away. And then the NIV and some other translations, they use a harsher phrase, he cuts off. Right, but the first and we believe best translation of the New Testament Greek is, quote, raise up, elevate, or lift up. Um, Again, raise up, elevate, or lift up. So why is this important? Well, one translation undermines assurance or the doctrine of one save, always saved, and the other supports it. So, you know, those who teach false doctrine that you can lose your salvation might use the NIV translation to suggest that those who don't produce good works just get cut off and sent to hell. But the correct translation here word for word would be raise up. And this, of course, gives a totally different meaning. And in his book, Shock and Surprise Beyond the Rapture, our founder, Pastor Gary Whipple, wrote, In Growing Grapes, the horticulturist tells us that the branches of the vine must be on a trellis. And this is usually a wooden structure of support above the vine. And maybe back in the day, it was a wood stake that was pushed into the ground. And the reason being is that they will not produce fruit while lying on the ground. A good husbandman then will always lift up a fallen branch and place it upon the trellis. Likewise, the Christian cannot produce fruit while in the world. Those that are living in a worldly life, God is gently dealing with in order to lift them up by his word to live on a spiritual trellis. Yeah, that's key, Andy. Lift them up by his word to live on a spiritual trellis. It's a raising up, a lifting up. Also noteworthy in that verse that we just read is that he prunes even those who do bear fruit. And of course, that raises the question of why. Why would he do that? Well, it says so that they may bear even more fruit. So prune in the New Testament Greek really means to cleanse of filth, impurity, etc., which is more in line with the, the analogy or typology here. We are pruned in this sense through confession and forgiveness. Right. Okay. So moving on to John 15, verse 3, it reads, You are already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. So in other words, the disciples had received and believed, past tense here, the word of salvation and had salvation from the stain of original sin. And notice that he uses the word clean, which reinforces the first translation of prune. Right, the correct translation of prune, which is to clean. Correct, correct. And you notice also it is the word that cleanses or prunes the believer. Okay, John 15, 4. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. So Jesus goes to the next level here, and he teaches that it is not enough to just be in him, which is one-time justification. 
uh, the disciples, and we by extension, must abide in him, continually live in him, which we call sanctification. So how do we abide in Jesus? Well, by abiding or living in the word. There's also a sense here of, you know, remaining in God's will and praying in Jesus's name for the power to bear fruit. If we don't lapse, if we don't, and we lapse into works of self, we can't bloom because, as it says, a branch cannot bear fruit of itself. Which brings us to the first verse of our scripture reading, Andy. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read that now, John. It's uh, John 15, verse 5. And I just want our listeners to remember one key thing. It's that Jesus Christ, through his word, is the one who produces the fruit. All we do as Christians, our job here is to bear the fruit, to be a, to be a conduit, to be the one that the Holy Spirit uses as a vessel. And Jesus Christ gets all the glory working through us so that we could produce fruit so that it could spread to other people and then they can become fruit as well. They can become Christians. So John 15, 5 again reads, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So here we strongly reemphasize the previous point that apart from Jesus, we can do nothing of value to God. And again, apart from his word. This ties in with the Apostle Paul's master builder analogy, and we read that in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and we recommend you doing that um, when you have some time. And in the analogy, works of self are equated to wood, hay, and stubble, or wood, hay, and straw. And we see that all of these things are burned at the judgment of believers, which leaves nothing but the foundation, which is Christ himself. And in other words, nothing is left apart from what Christ did on the cross. So we receive no reward and we get into heaven just by what some people say, the skin of our teeth. And as the NIV translation of Master Builder analogy puts it, only as one escaping through the flames. Yeah, that's key. So the fire here, which is a key point, is um, the flames of judgment. And we're going to see that in a minute, right? Uh, Verse 6 of John 15. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up, and they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. So, you know, this is the toughest verse and where we might get into some controversy, where people do get into controversy, because there's, you know, there's four possible interpretations of this verse. Number one is that these are believers who lose their salvation. That's one possibility. Number two, believers who keep their salvation but are punished. Number three, counterfeit believers who were never saved. And number four, non-believers or the unsaved in general— and, you know, as we've discussed, it can't be the first option because that contradicts the doctrine of assurance, once saved, always saved, and other passages in this gospel, such as chapter 10, where Jesus basically explicitly says, no one can snatch a believer out of his hand or the Father's hand. Right, so that's not biblical to believe that first possibility. Right, so number one is out. As far as the last option, Andy, if you want to talk to that. Yeah, so Jordan, it can't be the last option here. Um, unsaved people in general, because they're described as a branch of the vine— which is Jesus. It can't be that. Um, and unsaved people are never in Jesus, or they wouldn't be unsaved. They'd be considered saved. So that leaves the second or the third explanation, Jordan. And these are either counterfeit believers who are never part of the vine and are on their way to hell, according to scripture, or true believers who fail to abide and are being punished, but will ultimately be saved from hell. Yeah, you know, some smart Bible teachers believe the first possibility, and I thought it might be right when I first studied this as well. The argument is that these are the same counterfeit believers in the parable of the tares in Matthew 13. 
Um, it's a fascinating parable. I recommend that you read it. I'll, I'll just co- sort of summarize. You know, the parable is of fake wheat among real wheat, and it describes two fire judgments in that parable. Um, you know, we, we did a series on that parable, so if you're interested and you want to hear more about it, please send an email to info at motk.org, and we'll send you back a link to a free, that free lesson on, on, on that topic. By the way, that's M-O-T-K, as in Mysteries of the Kingdom, which is the name of the ministry that, that does 20-minute Bible studies. But back to this lesson, you know, these can't really be counterfeit believers because unlike in the parable in Matthew, they were not merely among the true harvest, you know, tares among wheat. They were actually in the vine again, right. which means they received the sap or the lifeblood of Jesus Christ. Yeah, you know, Jordan, to use a North American modern analogy... Um, they were not dandelions, you could say, or weeds in the flower garden. They were actually petals of the flower that turned brown because they did not receive enough nourishment, if you will, and, and then they were plucked. So, you know, remembering our audience as well, Jesus is talking to his disciples here who are already saved. That's very, very important. And he would not be telling them they could lose their salvation, of course. And I believe that, you know, according to the tone, that they knew that as well, and they understood where Jesus was going with this. So, crucially, we must also keep in mind that Judas Iscariot wasn't present at this time, and he had left to do what, you know, he must uh, a few chapters earlier after the Last Supper, uh, what Jesus ordered him to do. So, the only person we can credibly say Jesus was talking to wasn't actually there. Right, the only possible tear or counterfeit wasn't actually there. This was addressed to... Only true true believers and true disciples. Correct. But then comes the hard part, Andy, that the non-abiding branches are cast into the fire and burned. And, you know, I've, I've, um, I've already alluded to where we're going with this, but those who teach you can lose your salvation would say, see, that, that's hell. But again, remember the master builder analogy, which we talked about briefly. You know, fire in the Bible is not always a type of hell. In fact, only the lake of fire is really a type of hell. And again, that's another much deeper topic on which we have four entire lessons, please email us at info at motk.org if you're interested, and we'll send you those links. But well, Really quick, Jordan, I just want to punch in here before you continue, and I apologize for cutting you off. I just wanted to say that most people in general, most Christians, Christian and non-Christians, believe that hell means eternal punishment separation from God. Right. But specifically in the Bible, if we go to the original Greek and we study this a little more, Hebrew and Greek, we see that there's actually variable words. And again, we did a, a deep study on that. Mm-hmm. You can go to our website again to learn about the different types of hell. So Jesus actually used distinct words for that. It's just that in the English, we translate it as one big, we group it together as, as hell. So um, that, that's something that I think that our, our audience needs to know the difference. Yeah, it's really important because if you just read the word hell in the Bible and always assume it's the same meaning, like a fire going all the way to Revelation, then you're not getting the full meaning of it. And if you're reading stuff about fire in the Bible and furnaces of fire, and exactly. you're not understanding what that means, then you're just gonna you're gonna it's it's just because of English and, and our culture. You're just gonna assume things that are that are not correct and and misread scriptures, and that that again calls into question your assurance. You start yes. to doubt your salvation, and and none of that is correct. actually scriptural. So making that effort exactly to study it deeper is is where you get clarity and understanding scripture. So fire sometimes is is very important or critical or good in the Bible, if Refining, you will. Refining, yes, right? right. So to to take away the dross away from gold, you know, it burns off the garbage. Right. Um. And and Jesus talks about that a baptism of fire. Returning to our text, you know, so what happens here in the true vine is that the worthless branches wither. Notice they don't die; they still have some sap in them. Um, Pastor Whipple made that point in, in his uh, his sermon on this topic, which is a 
crucial point. Sure. And then they're judged or also known as being tested by fire. You know, their works will burn up, right? Right. As we read in 1 Corinthians 3, their works will burn up, as it says in 1 Corinthians 3, but thanks to their foundation, the sap in this case, they will escape total destruction, again, like it says in 1 Corinthians, only as one escaping through the flames. Yeah, so um, when you go back to that master builder analogy, um, you know, to be fair to our listeners who might not have actually read that before, it doesn't just talk about, you know, judgment turning to fire. There's actually also, um, you know, Christians that are going to be producing positive things, good things that were led by the Holy Spirit, right? which still have to be put through the furnace. Right. So regardless of whether you are um, a Christian that abided in the vine or if you were on the ground. You have to be tested by fire. Everything we do. Right. Second Corinthians 5.10 talks about it. First Corinthians chapter 3, 10 to 15 talks about it. And many other places in the Bible. Everything we say, do, think will be tested by the Lord Jesus Christ at the Bema seat or the judgment seat. And he uses a furnace of fire to determine not whether or not we go to heaven or hell, but to determine whether or not we make it to the kingdom of heaven or we wait outside for a thousand years. And that's our lesson, which means we have just a few minutes to explain our initiative, Get 20, Give 20. Get 20 is our reminder that you can get a 20-minute Bible study anytime you like by visiting our website. We archive all lessons and make them available for free at 20minutebiblestudies.org. You can listen online or download them for later or even subscribe to the podcast version and have new lessons automatically delivered to your favorite smart device. Even more important, our website is the place where you can join in our Bible studies by sharing your comments and asking any questions you may have. And we have a growing Facebook community and a discussion forum. When you're on our site, you should also sign up for email alerts so we can let you know when new lessons have been added. Also, when you sign up for email alerts, our first email back to you will include a link to a special series we put together titled 10 Mind-Blowing Things You Didn't Know Were in the Bible. It's an eye-opening set of Bible lessons, and it's our little thank you for joining our online community. It's all online at 20minutebiblestudies.org. Or, if you don't want to type so much, 20mbs.org will get you there faster. Moving on to Give 20. This is our special initiative to reach as many spiritually hungry Christians as we can. We know so many Christians find it hard to make time to study God's Word and then feel guilty they're unable to do it. Studying the Word of God is so vital to our spiritual growth, and yet it can be so hard sometimes to find a good study group and then attend that group on a regular basis. This is why we created 20-Minute Bible Studies. Everyone can find 20 minutes for God, and now, with this audio program, that's all Christians will need. They can listen to a Bible study whenever and wherever they like. The Give 20 initiative is your chance to participate in this great ministry and receive the special blessings that come from spreading God's Word. By giving just $20 per month, you can help us create more lessons and reach more believers than ever before. Plus, we pledge that every cent you contribute will go directly toward recording and broadcasting more lessons like the one you heard today. And since our ministry is an official nonprofit registered with the government, your donation is also fully tax deductible. To join our Give 20 initiative, visit 20mbs.org and click Donate. And finally, 20-Minute Bible Studies is a ministry of Mysteries of the Kingdom, a nonprofit organization dedicated to educating Christians in preparation for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
If you liked what you heard today and want to go deeper into God's Word, we strongly recommend you visit the website of Mysteries of the Kingdom, MOTK.org. Yes, these radio studies are just 20 minutes, but our MOTK lessons last as long as needed to fully understand whatever passage of Scripture we're studying. So if you're interested in learning more about what you heard today, you'll definitely want to check out our in-depth, multi-part studies, which are available for free at MOTK.org. Thank you so much for your 20 minutes. I'm Andy Balog. And I'm Jordan Pine. May God bless you. Thanks for joining us for another 20-minute Bible study. Special thanks to the family of Pastor Gary T. Whipple, to the Abundant Life Worship Center for the music for our show, and to Tom Pine for our scripture reading. I'm Steve Zioli, and until next time, may the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. All rights reserved, Mysteries of the Kingdom Incorporated.